Hey, thanks so much, kids. That was, that was fantastic. And I just want to say happy Easter to all of you. So good to be together. And I want to start with a question. Do you dare to believe that the story that children just read of the resurrection of Jesus, do you dare to believe that that story is true? Now, I'm not talking a perfect belief without a shadow of doubt, but a reasonable belief beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, you feel that most of the evidence points you in one direction. Uh, that's what I'm talking about when I say believing. Not 100%, not, not never having doubts, but do you dare to believe that the story of the resurrection of Jesus is true? You know, I've been on a jury twice and I couldn't say that I'm 100% sure without any doubt that we came up with the right decision. But given the evidence that we were provided, I believe we got it right beyond a reasonable doubt. Now again, not a blind belief, but a, a reasonable belief. For example, I think it's reasonable to believe that there's a God. When scientists say that there's just one chance in 10 with 172 zeros after it, that life in the universe could happen by accident. That's a reasonable belief in God. I think it's reasonable to believe in Jesus when there are over 300 fulfilled prophecies about his life given hundreds, sometimes thousands of years in advance with, with great detail. Uh, the chances that just 17 of those 300 prophecies about Jesus could be fulfilled by random chance by accident is just one chance in 480 billion times 1 billion times 1 trillion. And that's just for 17 of 300 of, of those prophecies. So that's what I would call a reasonable belief. I think it's reasonable to believe in the resurrection of Jesus when many historians believe it's one of the most validated events in all of human history. For example, there are two great mysteries that have baffled historians for centuries. Uh, number one, how did half the population of Jerusalem, 125,000 out of 250,000 people, become believers in the resurrection within just a few years after it happened? Uh, a second mystery is how did a handful of scared, scattered, and skeptical cowards on Saturday overnight become a group of world changers who are willing to die for their belief in the resurrection on Sunday? I mean, people will die for something they think is true, but they will not die for something they know to be a lie. Uh, the answer to that mystery is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus didn't just rise from the dead and then go straight to heaven. He hung around for 40 days. He met with people, had meetings, preached, spoke to a group of 500 people at the same time, had dinner with people, uh, cooked breakfast for uh, the disciples. He, he, he hung around uh, for a while, got exposed to a lot of people. That explains why 125,000 people followed him within such a short time. It's because they had either seen him themselves or someone they knew and trusted had seen him. You know, today on this Easter Sunday, uh, about two and a half billion followers of Jesus are gonna celebrate the resurrection in almost every nation, ethnic group, and language. Uh, the number of Christ followers has grown by 400% just the past century, and it now makes up about a third of the world's population. It's the greatest movement in world history, and it all started with those five words the children just read uh, from Mary Magdalene. I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Did dare to believe that that's true. In John 6, Jesus told them, this is the will of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. Uh, it's not just a reasonable belief. I think it's also a logical belief. 
There's a guy named Blaise Pascal, and he was one of the uh, French mathematicians, one of the greatest mathematicians of all time, and he was one of the first two inventors of the mechanical calculator. He was also a committed follower of Jesus, and he's famous for the ultimate calculation of all time called Pascal's wager, Pascal's a bet or his gamble. He said that human beings should bet their lives that God either exists or he does not. He argued that a rational person should live as though God exists because if God doesn't exist, it's no big loss. You've actually had a pretty good life because Christ makes life better and makes you better at life. But if God does exist and you live as if he doesn't exist, oh my goodness, that has eternal consequences. And so we're gonna talk about five benefits of believing in Jesus. The first benefit of believing in Jesus is everything I've ever done wrong is forgiven. Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? Everything past, present, and future completely forgiven. I love the story of three pastors in a boat on their day off and they were fishing together. And one of the pastors says, hey, let's get real vulnerable with us, okay? Let's, let's get real with each other and share uh, the, the secret that we um, most keep from other people, the, the sin that we most struggle with, that we most wanna keep a secret. And so the first guy goes, well, I'll go first. He says, I have a gambling addiction and I steal money from the church sometimes to feed this addiction. The other two go, oh, thanks for sharing. That's, that's really vulnerable of you to share that. Thanks for keeping it real. And then the, the next pastor goes, well, my, my sin that I struggle with the most is I cheat on my income taxes. And every year I give the government less money than I should give them. And the other two go, oh, thanks so much for sharing. And then the guy that had suggested this uh, spiritual exercise, uh, he, they said, the other two guys said, okay, it's your turn. He says, well, the sin I struggle with the most is gossiping. And I just can't wait to get off of this boat and tell everybody what I just heard. <laughs> now, here's the good news. Because of Jesus, God forgives freely, instantly, repeatedly, and completely. You know, it's an interesting thing. I didn't think that I was all that afraid of COVID. I mean, we took precautions and we were careful and we, we were concerned about it, but I didn't think I was really that afraid of COVID until I got the vaccine recently. And it was the craziest thing. The moment that needle hit my arm, it was like a cloud lifted from over me. I felt free. I, I was almost giddy. And it's kind of like that with God's forgiveness. Uh, we have this, like this, this cloud over us and, and, and this heaviness. And then when we experience forgiveness in Jesus, it's like that lifts and there's this joy that replaces it. In Acts 10, verse 43, the Bible says, everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. And then Paul wrote to the followers of Jesus in the city of Rome. Um, he, he wrote to them in Romans 3, 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Uh, Desmond Tutu once said, forgiveness says you are given another chance to make a new beginning. Then the second benefit of believing in Jesus is I learn God's purpose for my life. This is one of my favorite ones. There's a thousand reasons for following Jesus, 
but I really love this one. You know, our culture tells us that we're just random cells experiencing random chance. Where our cells just happen to come together for a period of time and we go to a few good parties and catch a couple of good vacations and some good meals, catch a few good movies, and then we just kind of go a random again. We turn back into the dirt and it's all over and it didn't mean anything. But that's what I love about following Jesus. He says, I've got a purpose for you, a plan. You have a specific uh, place in my master plan for all, all of human history. And I just love that so much about him. Mark Twain once said, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. When you're born, we all know our birth date, but how about that day when you figure out why you're here? Uh, why, what purpose God has for your life. We're not random cells experiencing random chance. If you don't know your purpose, you drift through life, but the only way you can learn the purpose of your life is, is through your creator. You can't find it within, you've gotta look above. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 16, everything got started in him, Jesus, and finds its purpose in him. Uh, Ephesians 1 verse 11, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. You know, I love this quote by Francis Chan so much. He said, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Wow, wow, let me just repeat that. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. And then the third uh, benefit of believing in Jesus is I become fearless. Once I figure out my purpose, now I'm fearless in fulfilling that purpose. Uh, Rosa Parks, who happened to visit our church once uh, before uh, she passed away and went home to be with the Lord, Rosa Parks writes, I have learned over the years that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear, knowing what must be done does away with fear. Imagine your life without fear. You know, the whole story of Jesus is summed up by three words. Don't be afraid. I mean, think about it. At the beginning of his life, when the angels announced his birth, what was their message that they gave to the shepherds? They said, don't be afraid. Uh, here in the resurrection story, uh, first time the angels announce his resurrection, what are their three words? Don't be afraid. First time the disciples encounter Jesus, what are his first three words to them? Don't be afraid. Uh, the children earlier gave one of the biographers of Jesus and their perspective on the resurrection from, from John. Now let's look at Matthew's perspective. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here, he's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. 
And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, here's those three words again, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. And then the fourth uh, benefit of believing in Jesus is I get God's strength for daily living. You know, I've been a pastor for over 40 years now, and the most chronic complaints that I've heard from people are weariness and fatigue. Weariness and fatigue, especially after a year of COVID. Lisa Turkhurst writes, saying yes all the time won't make me wonder woman, it will make me a worn out woman. I like that, let me repeat it. Saying yes all the time won't make me wonder woman, it will make me a worn out woman. Uh, People feel beaten up and beaten down and bitten by life. Uh, Bitten by other people and bitten by life circumstances. Now there's a little boy sitting on the curb with a dog next to him and a man comes over and says, does your dog bite? And the little boy says, no. So the man bends down to pet the dog and the dog bites his hand. The man says, I thought you told me your dog doesn't bite. Little boy says, that's not my dog. Uh, A little important piece of information he should have included in there. Uh, I remember a few years back, uh, one of our pastors here at the church, uh, Pastor Randy Gardner, he and his wife Cheryl, one of their sons was one of the coaches for the Green Bay Packers. And uh, our family of diehard Packers fans, and he knew that, and one day he says, hey, um, Grant, our son, and his wife Courtney, they just let us know that they've got a couple couple extra tickets for the Packers. Uh, Would you like to fly out and catch a Packers game? And um, so I said, well, let me pray about it. So I prayed about it for a second or two and uh, said, yeah, I think that might be God's will for our life. And so we flew out, uh, Packers beat the Seahawks. It was a great game. And at halftime, uh, Grant's wife, Courtney, came running up and found us in the stands and said, hey, would you like to have dinner with the team and their family members after the game? And I prayed about it for a quarter of a second and I said, yeah, I think that might be God's will for our life. And so, sure, we'll do that. And so we're with the family there in the team dining room. And I'm telling you, these football players after a game, they look like the walking wounded after being in battle from the front lines. They're, they come limping one by one into the dining room. Uh, they they uh, come in on crutches. They come in on these little scooters, uh, scooting themselves along because of an injury to one of their legs. And uh, boy, I thought that is such a great picture of people that I've encountered after a year of COVID. Uh, We're limping, we're weary, we're fatigued after a rough year. And here's what Jesus wants to say to you. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Maybe the whole reason you're watching this right now is for Jesus to say those words to you. Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Isaiah said, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. God gives rest to the weary and gives power to the weak. Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you to get through one day at a time on a daily basis. Uh, The power to change, the power to start over, the power to say no, the power to keep going. Uh, Paul wrote to the followers of Jesus in a city called Philippi in what is today the nation of Greece. I have the strength 
to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. That includes stress and loneliness, confusion, grief, and discouragement. And then the fifth benefit for believing in Jesus is I'm guaranteed eternal life. Layla Gifty Akita writes, the gift of God is grace. The grace of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Uh, Bob Goff writes about Good Friday when Jesus was crucified. Darkness fell, his friends scattered, all hope seemed lost, but heaven just started counting to three. Just start counting to three. Good Friday, one. Saturday, two. Easter Sunday, three. Uh, Jesus' resurrection changed everything. It proved who he was, who he claimed to be. You know, probably 90% of the world's population considers Jesus to be a great teacher. That's the main thing you hear from people across our nation, even around the world. Oh yeah, Jesus, he was a great teacher. Obviously, Christians believe that. Uh, he's a prophet, the penultimate prophet, they call him, in Islam. Um, he has achieved the high state of Bodhisattva in Buddhism. In Hinduism, he's the Archadya. Uh, and even among secularists, he's considered a great teacher of ethics. Uh, but here's the, here's the problem. You can't say he was a great teacher and, and nothing more than that because he claimed to be God. So he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he is who he claimed to be, which is Lord of Lords, God come in human form. You see, if he knew he wasn't God, but he claimed to be God, that would make him a liar. And a liar is not a great teacher. And if he thought he was God, but he wasn't actually God, that would make him a lunatic. And that's not a great teacher either. But you see, he knew he was God, and he claimed to be God, and he knew he was God. He was not a liar, he was not a lunatic. He was who he claimed to be, Lord of Lords. If I met you yesterday, and I said, hey, watch our Easter service online uh, tomorrow. Be sure to watch it. I'm a great teacher. <laughs> You'd say, well, he's probably a bit arrogant, but I think I might tune in to see if he's exaggerating or not. But if I met you yesterday and I said, watch our Easter service online tomorrow, I'm God. Oh my goodness, you'd start backing away, maybe even, even run. That's a whole different thing. But you see, Jesus proved he was who he claimed to be by rising from the dead. He's not a liar, he's not a lunatic. He is who he claimed to be, the Lord of Lords. And then the resurrection proves that he keeps his promises. Um, and finally, the resurrection proves that there is life after death. Uh, Solomon wrote that God has placed eternity in the human heart. He, he stamped your heart with eternity. That's why you're so restless in this life. That's why the stuff of this life doesn't satisfy all that much. That's why we're so unsatisfied, why we're so restless. As a pastor around 400 AD named Augustine said, our hearts are restless, O God, until they find their rest in, in thee. Uh, the reason you're restless, the reason this life doesn't fully satisfy us is you were made for more than this. God stamped eternity on your heart. You were made for more than just this life. In John chapter 11, Jesus told her, I am the one who raises the dead and gives them life again. Anyone who believes in me, even though he dies like anyone else, shall live again. He has given eternal life 
for believing in me and shall never perish. Uh, John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So let me, let me finish by asking the same question I started with. Do you dare to believe? Again, I'm not talking a perfect belief, not a belief without any doubts, but a reasonable belief based on the evidence you've been provided. Do you dare to believe? I wanna give you a chance to act on that belief right here, right now. I don't believe that you're watching this by accident. I believe this is a divine appointment and I wanna give you a chance to act on that belief right now by using three words, three words your, your parents taught you when you were growing up, uh, sorry, thanks, and please. Sorry, thank you, and please. Just those three words that I'm gonna ask you to pray to God at this moment to act on your belief. First of all, sorry. God, I'm sorry, I've failed you in so many ways. Uh, I haven't lived up to your standards. I, I've hurt people that I say I love, haven't loved people the way I should love them, haven't cared for people the way I should. I'm sorry for the wrongdoing, uh, the sin in my life. And then a second word, thanks. Um, oh Jesus, thank you for coming into the world that first Christmas and living a perfect life and dying on the cross that first Good Friday and then rising from the dead three days later on Easter Sunday so that I could be forgiven. Oh Jesus, thank you. So sorry, thanks, and then please. Please Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you forgive me? Would you be my savior? And from this moment on, would you be my leader, my king, my Lord? Would you show me how you want me to live uh, for the rest of my life on into eternity. So wherever you are right now, would you just pray um, silently or out loud, wherever you are, uh, pray with me something like this from your heart, just those three words, sorry, uh, thanks, and please, and pray with me as I pray it out loud. Oh God, I'm sorry that I have failed you in so many ways, uh, failed to love people the way I should love them, uh, failed to um, obey you when I should and live up to your perfect standards. I'm so sorry, but thanks, thanks, God, that you sent Jesus into the world. Uh, he died on the cross so that I could go free, so that I could be forgiven. That, that vaccine, the antidote to my sin is the death of Christ on the cross. The pandemic is sin and the vaccine is, is, the, is the death of Jesus, and I thank you so much for that. And then, um, Lord, finally, I wanna pray, please, please come into my life, come into my heart, forgive me of my wrongdoing. Um, Lord, take over my life, lead me, show me the way that I should live in a way that, that blesses other people and that pleases you. And so, Lord, right now on this Easter Sunday, 2021, I pray those three words to you. I'm sorry, but thank you so, so much for Jesus. And please come into my life and lead me for the remainder of my life into eternity forever with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.